All right, everybody. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How are we doing on this beautiful Sunday morning? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, and we're going to have an awesome, awesome time together today. We've got summer is off to a good start around here, and we know that uh, it's just going to be great as we get into the Word of God today. Praise the Lord. Who was here for the cake auction last week? Amen. All right. Yeah, that was a pretty wild time. Uh, the youth group made $1,800 on cakes. And so I'm like, wow, hopefully those are some good cakes. Amen. <laughs> well, praise God. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. We are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America because we're going to keep believing that we're going to see a change and we're going to see revival and we're going to see this nation come to Jesus. Can we get an amen today? All right, let's speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jesus some praise today. All right. Well, we're going to do what we always do and take a few minutes here to go meet and greet each other, give some handshakes, some hugs, some fist bumps, whatever, but just make sure everybody gets a little love today. Let's do this. Let's go. Arise, my soul, remember. And he buried No longer I lose Now Jesus lives in me For I was dead in sin But I woke up to see the Hold on to me. So where, 
church I love you this section loves me back you apparently don't okay well praise the Lord first I have to tell you thank you so very much for blessing the youth and the cake auction that absolutely was an investment into the kingdom of God so many of these students yes So I know we had fun and we were totally goofy and you heckle each other and we have a good time, but that's what church family does. But every penny of that is going towards them taking their trip. And would you like to know where they're actually going? Because they don't know where they're actually going yet. So, okay, well, two of them do. So we're going back to Utah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Because... Last year, we were able to get an awesome, amazing place in Utah, um, and and the atmosphere there is so moral um, that I don't have to be concerned about them at the pool and what they're hearing or what's around them. Anyway, so it's just a, a nice place to go. But we were concerned because last year, we had to cap how many students were going. So we thought this year, well, we'd just check and see. And turns out, they just make those houses bigger and bigger and bigger. So, praise the Lord. We've got more than enough room this year to take all of them. So, very excited about that. Thank you, because your offerings for those cakes were able to pay for that completely. So, the lodging is completely paid for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we have lots of young students, new students, who um, this will be their first youth trip ever. So, it'll be great. It'll be really fun. And so long as Dylan Johnson doesn't give them any pickle popsicles, did you know those existed? Then we'll have a nice five-hour ride without any pickle popsicle smells. 
five hours and pickle popsicles. Praise the Lord. Okay, on a serious note, um, the Alvas and Sauceda family, the memorial for uh, John Sauceda is going to be Monday, June 20th at 11 a.m., We've passed around a sign-up to bring food for the reception afterwards. So you're welcome to sign that as it's passed around this morning. If you are interested or able to attend that service, we would love to have you here. If you're able to attend that service and assist with serving, please make sure that your name is on the back of that sign-up or that you stop at the info booth to talk to Miss Susan after service, okay? We would love to have your help taking care of that. Also, that Sunday, the 19th, we'll set up after service so that the family doesn't have so much work to do that day as well. Um, have any of you been reading the June scripture reading? Raise your hand if you've actually been reading it. All seven of you, praise the Lord. <laughs> so... The June scripture reading also has some commentary from pastor. And like I mentioned before, I hear dad's voice in my head when, you know, certain things are happening in life. You'll hear him, you know, talk a verse or something. What's cool about that is as you're reading your daily Bible reading, you also get from the heart of your pastor something that's directly for your life. So when we talk about a shepherd who's guiding and directing you, that daily Bible reading is just another way for him to be able to encourage you and help you in life. So make sure that you make yourself available to that. Also, young adults, those of you who are graduated seniors officially or between the ages of 18 and 30-ish, um, we would love for you to get together with us at Denny's on Main. We don't have a house to do it at this month, but we have not forgotten you. Denny's on Main, Friday, June 17th at 6.30. So June 17th, this Friday, at 6.30 at Denny's on Main. And Miss Rosalinda gave a rockin' message at Women's. Who was there at Women's? Woo! Women's was amazing. Thank you, Jesus. And she will also be giving the message at Young Adults. So... Don't miss out on that. She loves you and will be glad to give you a message from the Lord. Gentlemen, what is coming? What holiday do you have coming, gentlemen? Father's Day. Have you put in your requests yet, gentlemen? You hardworking, godly dads and men. Make sure that you come to service that day and that you make sure all your children come with you, right? We have your gifts already in. They are ready for you. They are ready. So don't forget Father's Day, Sunday, June 19th, and we'll have a gift for all of you. And then June 26th is baptism. We're doing baptisms in the morning and in the evening. So at the 10 a.m. service and the 6 p.m. service, we will do baptisms. And last but not least, parents. We delayed general store. Today is general store. If you have never, yes, praise the Lord. If you have never experienced general store and this is your first time, your children get to go up to this room on this side here and all of the classes will be picked up on this room in this side here and they will get to use points from attending class or it being their first time here and they will get to get a prize and toys and sugar and things like that. And it's because we want them to know that Jesus loves them and his plan for them is blessing and good and fun and, you know, it's all good stuff. So you can complain about it in the car, but not in here. Okay. So if you don't like the sugar, you just take that to Jesus and you talk to Jesus about it, but we're going to bless your kids. Cool. Okay. Praise the Lord. So on that note, if it is your first time with us or first time in a long time, if you would please wave at me. First time with us, first time in a long time. 
Yay! <laughs> um, so we have a card for you and some information about the church, and we would love for you to turn that into the info booth, and we have a gift for you as well. And now do you know what time it is? It is happy time. Thank you, this section. You should have sprinkled some of you in the other sections. Maybe you could have helped them. This section, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so they asked me to do offering this morning. So I'm going to share with you some information because you're not bored listening to me yet, right? Right? Thank you. Of course not. All two of you on this side. So turn with me to Genesis 8. Now, you realize I do youth ministry. They don't let me have this microphone except for announcements. So I'm a little different. So you're just going to roll with me this morning, okay? So in Genesis 8, we're talking about the end of the flood. And I want to share with you something that has always made a difference in my life. And I want to share with you, first of all, that tithes and offerings, giving and receiving is not something that's Old Testament law. Because it's way before that. And it's just simply a spiritual principle. If I drop this microphone right now, the law, the natural law of gravity is going to make it hit the floor. Well, giving and receiving seed time and harvest is a spiritual law that never changes so long as the earth remains. So in Genesis 8.20, we've come to the end of the story of Noah. Noah has got all the animals on the ark. They've been there for over a year in this boat. And he has waited and waited. He can see land, but they can't get out of the boat yet. And so finally, they get off the boat. And then it says in verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed burnt offerings, the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice. And he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood, I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer, winter, day, and night. Then skip with me in Genesis 9, verse 12. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. The rainbow is a promise from God. But the rainbow was in response to an offering, which I think is just absolutely beautiful. When you come to this altar, though we're not sacrificing animals, we're thanking God for the increase that we've been given. But when we come to this altar... It's not because it's inconvenient for us to bring you an offering bucket. It's because you're coming to the altar. It's because you're bringing your offering to the Lord. And he's able to receive that. He's able to sense the heart in that. He knows your heart. So switch with me, one more set of verses, to Galatians, New Testament, Galatians 6. And we're going to start... In verse 6, Galatians 6, verse 6. That is children's ministry for Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. They love Galatians, right? (laughs) 
Okay. So in Galatians 6, verse 6, it says, Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Now, those of you who think that God is slow or that God didn't listen to you, you cannot mock the justice of God. He is a just God. He will handle business. And if you have issues with that, this is just my plug. Psalm 34 and Psalm 35 should be your favorite things. They go hand in hand. Anyway, you can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Noah didn't give up. I'm asking you, don't give up. And this morning, as you give your offering, you bring it to the altar of God. You remember what he's done for you. Remember what he saved you from and how he's blessed your life. And let's be a grateful people. Okay, let's be a cheerful giver. All right, praise the Lord. Let's do our financial faith confession. You're going to stand up with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're doing something a little different today. I wanted to do some unplugged worship so we can hear each other sing a little bit. So I encourage you all, join us at the altar and sing with us today. Step out of the shadows, step out of the grave. Break into the wild And don't be afraid Run into wide open spaces Grace is waiting for you Dance like the weight has been lifted Grace is waiting When the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Where the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Where the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Where the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Come out of the dark Just as you are Into the fullness of His love Oh, the Spirit is here Let there be freedom Let there be freedom 
with all of your scars. Come back to communion. Run back to the storm. Run into wide open spaces. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting where the Spirit of Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of his love. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Let there be freedom. Chains will fall, prison shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Life's made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Let's sing that out. Chains will fall, prison shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Life's made whole. Hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name, yeah. Sing where the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. Oh, the Spirit is here, let there be freedom, let there be freedom. Let's sing this together. Let's sing dance like the way it's been lifted. Dance like the way has been lifted. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the way has been lifted. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the way has been lifted. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the way has been lifted. Grace is waiting where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Let's sing that again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. One last time. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. Where the Spirit is here, let there be freedom, let there be freedom.
of stories that have proved your faithfulness. I've seen miracles my mind can't comprehend. There is beauty in what I can't understand. Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. Let's sing this out. And I believe you're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, you're too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God. And you heal because you love miracles I've seen too good to not believe too good to not believe good to not believe I I can resurrect a man with my own Just the mention of your name can raise the dead. All the glory to the only one who can. Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. I believe. I believe. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. You're too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. sing this out. We've seen cancer disappear. We've seen broken bodies healed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restore. Sing that. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen families reunited. We've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen troubled souls delivered. We've seen addicts finally free. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We see cities in revival and salvation flood the streets. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. 
We'll see glory fill the nation Like the world has never seen Don't you tell me he can't do it Cause I know that he can I believe you're the wonder-working God You're the wonder-working God All the miracles I've seen Too good to not believe wonder-working God, and you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe, too good to not believe, too good to not believe. One last time, let's sing this together. We see cancer disappear. We've seen broken bodies healed. Sing that. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen families reunited. We've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen troubled souls delivered. We've seen addicts finally freed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen cities in revival. And salvation flood the streets Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it We'll see the fill the nation Like the world has never seen Don't you tell me he can't do it Cause I know that he can I believe you're the wonder-working God wonder-working God All the miracles I've seen Too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God And you heal because you love All the miracles I've seen Too good to not believe Too good to not believe One last time, let's sing that out, I believe. Let's raise our voices. And I believe you're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen are too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God. You heal because you love the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe.
Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. And Jesus, we trust you today, Lord. And we believe, and we don't have to see it to believe it, Lord. We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And we thank you, Jesus, for, yeah, the miracles. We thank you for the good things, but that's not why we love you. We love you, Jesus, for who you are. And we seek your face today, Lord. Amen. We seek your face. We're not just seeking the blessings. We're seeking the blesser. And Father, we want more of you in our lives and we want to, we want to be better for you. We want to be more and more like you. And we thank you, Jesus, for who you are at your core and at your essence. God is love. And we thank you for that today. Amen. As I was just kind of praying about, uh, you know, what to exhort on or encourage this morning as I came up here just a few minutes ago. I don't know why, but all I just uh, kept coming to me is is this story of after Jesus was resurrected. Uh, and I mean, he's, he told everybody it was going to happen, but still uh, at the same time, he's resurrected and he comes back and 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 the, some of the disciples, they're running and, and they're saying, hey, he's alive, just like he said. And Thomas is like, no, Seriously, stop it. That can't be, people don't come back from the dead. And, and, and he's just, just doubting and, and, and just absolutely just throwing water on their fire. And, and he says, I won't believe that Jesus came back until I can see the holes in his hands. No, 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 wait, no, no. I won't believe that he came back until I can literally touch the holes in his hands and see it and feel it for myself. And I'm telling you today, that is not faith. It doesn't take faith to believe in something that you can see and that you can feel. It takes faith to believe in something that you can't see yet, but you're so sure of it that you would just bet the whole farm on it, right? And so Jesus shows up and, 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 and I mean, Thomas is probably just feeling really embarrassed at that point, but Jesus says, come on, feel it. You want, you, you wanted to see, you wanted to feel, well, here you go. And, and what does he say after that? He says, Thomas, listen. You believed because you could see and feel, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. The blessing doesn't come from the feeling. The blessing doesn't come from the sight. The blessing comes from believing without seeing. And so I'm telling you today, if you need a miracle, if you just need something in your life, whatever it is, the blessing doesn't come afterwards when it's already there. Blessed are those who have believed without seeing. And so I'm encouraging you that today, man. Don't be a Thomas. Come on. Be like the other boys that believed it before they ever even saw it. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise together today. Hallelujah. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. And we choose to believe you even when we can't see it. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we'll go ahead and let you make your way to your seats today. Hallelujah. What a good time of worship. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for all you're doing up there. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, who's excited to hear the Word of God today? Amen. I am always excited to hear the Word of God. It is everything to us. Jesus and His Word are one and the same. And so any time that I read my Bible, I've been spending time with Jesus. You get that, right? John 1, it tells us that Jesus is the Word. And so if I want to spend time with Jesus, i just got to get into His Word, and that's what we're doing today. Amen? And so what I'm going to talk about today is this topic... Uh, 
called grace. We're going to be talking about grace today. And the title of the message is Amazing Grace. And you're probably thinking, well, that, yeah, that's really original. Well, just hear me out for a minute, okay? I realize that, yeah, it's like the most famous song in history. But at the same time, we're going to be talking about the amazing grace of God on your life. Now, what is grace? It's one of the most important truths of the entire Bible, yet most people don't have a very good understanding of what grace actually is. And so, really, you know, and, and I've heard people overcomplicate this topic. Anybody else? I mean, they, I mean, just people have overcomplicated this and like, well, there's seven layers of grace. And if you go back to the ecclesiastical, blah, 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 blah. And then you'll finally come to the, I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I've been to Bible school and I have no idea what you're saying. I'm not trying to overcomplicate something because I don't like to just be in a service and hear a sermon where like, man, that was good. I didn't understand any of it, but wow, that was impressive. All that that guy knew. I want to preach something that you understand and that actually helps you with where you are in life. And so what we're going to do today is talk about grace and we're not going to complicate it. We're going to talk about the, 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 what the fundamental elements of grace are so you can see how you can tap into that and rely on God's amazing grace, because that's exactly what it is. And so the most simple definition of grace is this. When God gives you what you do not deserve. When God gives you something that you do not deserve, because I'm telling you right now, you are saved by grace and you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I, there's nothing I could do to earn my salvation because all the bad things, all my sins overwhelm the, all the goodness that I could possibly muster up on my own. I am saved by the grace of God. I'm not saved because I'm such a good boy. Don't ask, you know, there's some people here that would maybe disagree with that, but I'd like to think that I'm, you know, decent. But at the same time, as good as I could possibly ever be, that's not enough to get me into heaven. In fact, Isaiah put it this way, all of your righteousness is just like filthy rags when it comes to trying to earn your salvation. As good as you are, you could stand before God and say, well, I did this, and I did that, and I fed these people, and I gave this money, and I did this, and I donated, and I volunteered, and blah, 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 and And all the good stuff, all your good works, all your good deeds, when it comes down to paying the price for salvation, it says, it's just like a bunch of filthy rags. There's nobody in this world good enough to get to heaven on their own. And so I'm telling you, grace is when God gives you something that you don't deserve. And I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve heaven. But glory to God, I'm going there by the grace of God of God. Amen. And so grace is when you get what you don't deserve. You know what mercy is? It's when you don't get what you do deserve. There's grace and there's mercy. So have you ever needed, I mean, you've earned a little punishment, right? Remember back when you were a kid way back in the day and you did something wrong. You stole cookies from the cookie jar. You wiped a booger on your brother. You know, whatever your case was, whatever it was you did, you deserved a little punishment, right? And maybe for some reason your parents felt merciful that day and they didn't give you what you did deserve. Now, some of us, all of us, everybody in here, we have earned, if we were going off of what we 
we've earned. We've probably earned a little punishment in life. We've probably earned some things, but by the mercy of God, he holds it off, right? Because he's rich in love. He is slow to anger. God is incredible in his mercy. And so grace You get something that you don't even deserve. Mercy means you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is a gift from God. Now, what's what's the unique thing about a gift? It means you, you didn't pay for it. You didn't earn it. It was just given to you out of the goodness of somebody else's heart, right? If, if, if I give you $10 and then you give me, you know, a cake, like, that's not a gift from you. I bought it from you. I paid the price for it, right? But my salvation and the blessings of God on my life, I, I don't have enough to pay for those things. It can only be by a gift. And that's what the salvation is in your life. That's what the good things you have in your life. You may be thinking, yeah, I got all this stuff because of how strong I am, because of how smart I am, because I have it all together. I'm doing really, really good for myself right now. You better check that attitude real quick. You better know that the blessings on your life, if you're a Christian, you should know this. They're not because you're all that. They're because Jesus is all that. They're because God has been good to you. And I would say all of us, I know in my life, he's been way better to me than I deserve. I don't deserve all the nice and wonderful things. I don't deserve the healing from cancer that I got. I don't deserve the, you know, the great marriage and, and, and the beautiful church family. It's all by the grace of God. And so get this. You got to get this. All right. Grace. Listen to me. It's when you get something you don't deserve and you didn't deserve Jesus, right? And so uh, before I get into my message, I'll make a one sentence comment on this. Now, some people have abused the topic of grace and the, and the teaching of grace and, and have said, you know, well, God loves you so much. He forgives you anyway. So you can just go live and sin a little sloppy lifestyle and do any old nasty thing you want to do. And none of it matters. Listen, I don't even want to have to tackle that right now. Even through a simple skim reading of the Bible, you can see how false of a statement that would be. The grace of God doesn't allow you to just go live sloppy and sin and be nasty and mean to everybody. But when you have received the grace of God, oh my goodness, it gives you a desire to live your best life for Jesus. Not so I can earn his love. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to live holy to make God finally love me because I can't make him love me any more than he already does. And I can't make him love me any less than he already does. I've received the fullness of his love when Jesus died on the cross, right? But at the same time, I want to live my best life for him because he's worthy and he deserves everything that I could give to him and so much more. All right, so what we're going to do today is look at three different areas that God gives us grace in and three different men in the Bible that he did it for, all right? So three different areas of grace and three different men that he did it for. And if you need an outline this morning, raise your hand. The ushers want to give you one so you can follow along and try to make sense of what in the world we're talking about today, all right? So who's ready to hear about amazing grace? Amen. All right. Now, as we get into the sermon, I'll say this, that I understand it is a little bit warm in here today. We're aware of that, okay? We got our guys coming out this week. Some of the units keep kind of freezing over a little bit, so we're going to have our repair guys get it out this week. So, But you know what? We're getting ready to turn the heat up with the Word of God, so if you don't like it hot, you're in the wrong church, right? 
Amen. All right, let's go. Let's get this. All right. Number one, the grace of God. One area of it is God's undeserved help. Undeserved help. Has God ever helped you with something? You were in a mess. You were in a pickle. You were in a situation that you could not get yourself out of. I have found myself there many, many times where I'm in a situation like, well, great. What am I going to do now? How do I get out of this? And let's let's get real. A lot of times... I'm the one that put myself in that sticky situation. And so I did not deserve any help to get out. I deserved to wallow in my own mess and try to just get myself out of it. I did not deserve the help of God. But praise God for his grace because his grace is undeserved help. His grace does not depend on how good I am. His grace doesn't depend on how much I've got it all together. It depends on how much Jesus has it all together. Amen. And so I'm not going to do things intentionally to, uh, to shove his grace out of my life or to, uh, to block it from functioning and operating in my life. But at the same time, when I get help from God, amen, it's not because I just am so good that I deserve it. And so, I mean, I mean, think about this. Have you ever gotten yourself into a mess that was your own fault? Surely I'm not the only one. Show of hands. Come on. Help me out here. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I was starting to think that I was the only, you know, kind of issued one in here. Praise God. And so, uh, listen, we've all got ourselves into situations that were our own fault. Nobody owed us any help. No one owed me any help. Nobody owes you any help uh, other than to, hey, sit there, figure it out, man. Grow up. Get it together. Figure it out for yourself. And yeah, we know there's a time and a place for grow up. Figure it out for yourself. But in some of these moments, somehow, some way, somebody comes and gives you a hand out of the situation. And it's not because you deserve it. It's just because they love you so much. Maybe mom or dad, right? They help you out of it. Maybe someone else. And it's not because you deserve it. It's because of their love for you. Now think about this. Maybe on the job, you come across a problem that you absolutely cannot figure out. You ever been there where it's a problem, it's a situation, it's an issue, and hey, you're the guy getting paid to do the job, but you don't know how to figure this situation out. By the grace of God, he can give you some answers. You know that, right? That by the grace of God, he can help you figure things out that you could not figure out on your own. And so what I want to do, first of all, the first guy I want to look at today is a guy named Gideon. A guy named Gideon. Can we turn to Judges chapter 6? Judges chapter 6, all right? We're talking about Gideon for just a minute here. And so... Gideon is a man that the grace of God Almighty definitely helped him out and helped him uh, break through a terrible situation. And so what we've got going on here in the book of Judges is uh, the Israelites had begun to turn away from God. He, Of course, he's rescued them time and time again. He's done miracles. He's provided for them. He's healed them. He's done all sorts of incredible things. But they always seem to, in the end, turn their back on him. And so, in fact, it says uh, that they did evil in the Lord's sight. And so what happened? Well, God didn't send invaders to capture them, but he did allow it 
to happen. Now, sometimes in our life, yeah, we, we may feel like, man, what's going on here? Something's, something's happening and maybe you're getting attacked. And we know that God did not send the attack, but if I'm being honest, there's been times that I've just kind of opened up the door for the attack to come into my life. Now, what do I do? Man, I get things right with God as quick as I can because I need him. Amen. And so Judges chapter six, what we have here is the Midianites, an evil, evil group of people had invaded and plundered Israel and they were just bullying these guys around. Everybody was depressed. Everybody was angry. Nobody had any answers. And so here's this man named Gideon. Judges chapter six, verse 12. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Man, how would you like to be waked up like that, man? Hey, mighty hero. Ladies, why don't you wake your husband up like that tomorrow? Say, mighty hero, breakfast is... No. Hey, it's Father's Day week. We're doing everything we can to help the men out, right? And so, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord's with us, Why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Like, geez, you little little punk. Come on, this is God you're talking to here. But no, keep going. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, there it is again, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So what's he saying? He's like, my family's the biggest losers in the entire country, and out of all of those losers, I'm the weakest one. I am literally the weakest, biggest loser in the whole nation, and you're going to send me to rescue everybody. I'll believe it when I see see it. Gideon's middle name was Thomas. And a lot of people didn't know that little Bible joke, little Bible humor. That's not true. All right. And so verse 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And so obviously Gideon's a little bit skeptical at this point. You could say he's like, ah, I, I appreciate the compliments, but I just don't see this happening. And so uh, through a series of events, if you were to read the whole story, he finally chooses to obey and trust the Lord. Now, God uses him, but none of this is because Gideon was strong and powerful. It's all because of God's undeserved help. Now, maybe you've got to call God on your life. And newsflash, you do. And you're thinking, ah, well, if I if I could preach good, if I could sing good, if I was stronger, if I had more money, if I was more intelligent, if I was better looking, if I... And you go through all the things that you should be. And God's not looking at all that before he uses you. He's looking at your heart. And he's got a call on your life. And if you're sitting there saying, oh, no, I couldn't do it. It could never be me. Shut your mouth and quit talking about God's kids that way. You're a daughter of the most high God. You are a son of the most high God. You can do what he says you can do. And so he, you know, he, he argues with Gideon and finally Gideon's like, okay, fine. I'll go. And so Gideon finally rounds up the Israelite army and gets the men ready to fight for their freedom. 
and then God throws a great big curveball. Has there ever been a time where you're like, man, okay, finally, I'm ready to do this thing. I'm ready to go and, 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 and chase it down. And then you get an unexpected twist. The, what is it? The, the plot thickens. There's a curveball. Things change. Well, look at chapter 7 here. Check this out. So Gideon, he finally rounds up the army, and uh, what's he got here? A total of uh, 35,000 men, 32,000. He's got an army of 32,000, and guess how many men they're fighting against? 135,000. And so the odds are already not stacked in their favor, 32,000 against 135,000, but Gideon, he's finally got some faith and says, all right, we can do this. Judges 7, verse 2. So the Lord said to Gideon, wait a minute. You have too many warriors with you. What? I'm already outnumbered. God says, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave the mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Now I'm thinking, man, most, you know, most men have a little ego, have a little sense of pride where they would say, are you too afraid to fight? Even if they were, most of the guys I know would be like, I'm not afraid. I'll take on anything. You know, give me 10 guys. I'm, I, I got that. And, and they're pride. But he throws this out there and the majority of the men are like, yeah, I'm terrified. I'm out of here. Thanks. Adios. They're out of there. They leave and 22,000 go home. And I can just imagine Gideon's face. He's like, did not expect that. Wow. Okay. So didn't see that one coming. And so here we are. They once they got only 10,000 guys left against 135,000 men. And so there's something really key to the story right here, though. God says, hey, if you do it with that much resources, people will be able to say that you did that on your own. I need this to be, no doubt about it, a miracle from God. And in your life, some of the times where you think, man, I've really got nothing to work with. Perfect. Now we can have a miracle and everybody will have to know that it wasn't you that did it. It was totally God because there's no way at all that you could have pulled off that victory. Thank you for your enthusiasm because I'm starting to get excited right now. Amen. Yeah. And so there's no doubt about it. When you are at your bottom and you reach the victory level, there's no denying it was God. It could not have been you. And so here they are and they're, they're vastly outnumbered now, 135,000 to 10,000. But look at this. Look at verse four. But the Lord told Gideon, wait, there's still too many men. What? Too many men. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. So when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Listen to this. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream like a bunch of dogs. What's up, dog? All right, look at this. Verse 7. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send everybody else home. Whoa! It just got real. Now we can know if these guys pull this off, 
it was totally the Lord. And so I know a lot of you are great at math like I am. And so 32,000 down to 300, that's a 99.0625% decrease. How do I know that? Because I searched it up on Google and that's what it came up with. So I'm trusting it. But anyway, a 99.0625% decrease. That's insanity. But only now can God totally get the glory. And so for the sake of time, I'll let you read the rest on your own. But if you read the story on into chapter 8, you'll see that God used Gideon's 300 men to defeat 135,000 Midianites and win Israel's freedom back. You know what I would call that? The grace of God. There's no way that they did this on their own. And there's no way that they did it because of Gideon's great faith because he had none. And there's no way that they did it because Gideon was so strong and powerful because he said, I am the weakest person in the whole country. This was all by the grace of God. Now, I'm telling you today that if you'll step out in faith and do some of those things that God's calling you to do, God's grace will kick in. And it's not going to be because you were so strong. It's going to be because God's grace gave you the help you didn't earn, you didn't deserve, and it's all because of his goodness. Who thinks that they could use some of the grace of God in their lives today? Amen. And so what's grace? Number one, it's, it's, it's some undeserved help. Number two, it's undeserved favor. Who likes favor? Who knows what favor is? All right, praise God. Let's get into this then. And so <laughs> what is favor? Listen, I'm telling you right now, you want the favor of God. When someone has favor, they have protection and benefits that other people don't have. They have an unfair advantage over everybody else. Like, well, that's not fair. Favor isn't fair. It ain't fair because when you've got the favor of God on your life, you'll get jobs that you aren't qualified for. You'll get houses that, I mean, everybody wants, but they couldn't figure it out, but you got it. You'll have miracles and wonderful things happen in your life that other people are jealous of. He's not smart enough for that. He can't do that. She couldn't figure that out. Oh, no. Hey, no, it's not me. It's because I've got the undeserved favor of God on my life. Amen. Favor will make things happen and get you places that you could have never got on your own. And so when you've got favor, you have promises from God that the rest of the world doesn't have. You've got you've got benefits that they only dream of because favor is not fair. Let me show you this verse here in the King James. Look at Psalm 75. Can we do that? Psalm 75. Amen. Psalm 75. And we're going to talk about verses 6 and 7 in the King James. Amen. Because we know that's what Jesus and Paul read. They read out of the King James, right? Come on, people. get Help me out here today. I know it's hot, but I need... Help me out. All right. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7, it says... And this is a perfect example of favor to me. It says, for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. That's the favor of God. You're like, Man, I've been working for a promotion and blah, 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 blah. Listen, my promotion, uh, you need to know this as a Christian. My promotion isn't 
dependent upon my employer. Well, that don't make no sense. Yes, it is. Ah, uh, no, no. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or from the south. It comes from the Lord. And if you're in here and you want a promotion, if you want a better job, if you need a job, whatever your situation is, if you would do your current duties, your current job, just like you were working for Jesus, he'll promote you way before your natural physical boss ever could. My boss don't like me. That doesn't matter because Jesus likes you, right? Amen. Come on. Listen, you need to get this in your heart. It doesn't matter if my boss loves me. I mean, there's some I've had bosses that flat out didn't like me. And that's okay because in the end, I'm working for Jesus anyway. My promotion is in his hand, not their hand. Whether they know it or not, it doesn't matter because Jesus knows it. God raises one up and he puts down another. Amen. And so that's where promotion comes from. All right. And so I want to show you one of the best examples of God's favor on somebody. And this is man number two we're looking at today. So we looked at Gideon. The second guy is a man named Joseph. Let's look at Joseph for a minute here. And so you could go over to Genesis 39. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to paraphrase and tell most of the story here before you even get there. But, but check it out. So Joseph was a young man with dreams, right? And, and, and God kept giving him dreams and, and, and here's the thing. He had this dream where all of his brothers had to bow down to him and come to him for help. And so what does any good little brother do? He, well, he goes and tells his big brothers like, Hey guys, I had this dream. <laughs> That you were all complete losers. Hear me out, all right? It was great. You were all losers, destitute, poor, and hungry, and you had to come begging to me for food. It was the best dream ever. And they're like, shut up, you little punk. What are you talking about, man? And so what did they do? Well, they, they came up with a plan because Joseph... He was already his dad's favorite. How many of you in here, you're, you, know, you know you're your parents' favorite child? Come on, you know who you are. You know who you are, all right? And so there's been... <laughs> <laughs> there's been debate in our family for a long time on this topic, but, but <laughs> Josh says there's no debate. It's, it's hands down. All right. No, we're joking. Are we joking, Josh? No, he says we're okay. So anyway, um, now if my mom was here, quick story, there's been this ongoing thing in our family for years. David's the favorite. You like him the most, blah, blah, blah. And so one day we were at Jenny's the restaurant, and we're all there together, and I held the door for my mom and grabbed her purse, and she's like, thank you, David, you're my favorite. I was like, whoa, there it is, confirmation, brother, we've got that, <laughs> write it down, and it is, as, you know, hey, but it, hey, from her lips to God's ears, it happened, and we know, we know now, amen? All right, and so, anyway, if you're not one of the favorite kids, by the grace of God, you can still be all you can be in God's army, amen? All right. And so, uh, speaking of favorites, so I was going to say this, that as you look, we just looked at the, you know, the Midianites and all throughout the Old Testament, there was all these different groups, you know, the Midianites, the Canaanites, they were real bad, the Amalekites, the Jebusites, and all these groups, the ites, the ites, the ites. Well, you need to know this, that as a New Testament Christian, it doesn't matter who is against you. The Amalekites, the Canaanites, the Victorvilleites, the whoever. Listen up. Listen, because you are a favorite. Amen. When you've got the favor of God, you may not be one of those lights, but you are a favorite. Amen. Because you've got the favor of God on your life. Who's a favorite today? Amen. Yes. 
doesn't matter who's against us. And so anyway, Joseph's brothers, they, they knock him there. They, they, they throw him into this pit. Their original plan was, well, let's just kill him. Then that'll solve that. And then they just, they throw him down into this pit. And, uh, you know, as chance would have it, a group of Ishmaelite traders is coming down the road and they're like, Hey, wait a minute. We can, we don't just have to leave him there. We could, we can make money off of this kid. So they sell their little brother as a slave to the Ishmaelites and they carry him off to Egypt, a land that he's never even been in. And so if you're thinking, man, I just, I don't have any luck. Here's this guy that went from having big dreams of success. Now he's been nearly murdered by his brothers and then sold as a slave. But when you've got the favor of God on your life, you always rise to the top, no matter what situation you're put in, you always rise to the top. And so Joseph is sold in to this uh, Egyptian government official's house. Uh, the man's name is Potiphar. All right. And so Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house. Genesis 39 verses two through four. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph, even as a slave, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the house of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. You realize Potiphar wasn't a man of God. He was a heathen, right? He was a, he was a nasty man, but when you've got the favor of God on your life, everybody starts to notice not just your Christian brothers and sisters, even the heathen pagans that you work with down there at the railroad, down there at Fort Irwin. They're like, oh, there's something different about him. The favor of God is evident to everybody around. And so even Potiphar, this probably guy that worshipped idols and did all sorts of nasty, wicked things, Potiphar realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Verse 4, this pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. They didn't say assistant, his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. What is this? This is the favor of God. How many slave owners in Egypt put the slave in charge of everything they owned? Everything. He trusted him. He's like, you're in charge of this. You're in charge of that. I mean, he, he even gave Joseph his Amazon password. You don't do that to somebody you don't trust. You don't do that. You don't do that. And so he, he, he gives him access to everything. But as we read the story, uh, Potiphar had a wife, all right, and she wasn't a very good lady. She finds Joseph to be a strong young man and finds him attractive. And, and so she tries to come on to Joseph. And when Joseph refuses, she gets mad and accuses him of coming on to her. And so what happens? Joseph gets thrown into prison for something he didn't do. And here, here we got him now. He's been thrown away by his brothers. He's been sold as a slave by his brothers. Now he's being thrown into prison for something he didn't do. Now, most people be like, man, where was God? Where is he? Why'd you do this? God didn't do any of it. No. As we know in the end, that, that the, all these things, it was just setting him up for his future to save God's people. And so here's Joseph again in a bad situation. So let's see what happens as uh, verse 21. Look at verse 21. And so every time you knock this good man down, he just keeps getting back up. Look at this. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. There he is. He's never alone. Look at this. 
And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. What is this? It's the favor of God. When you've got God's favor, you rise up. Whether you know you're a little brother, whether you're a slave, whether you're a prisoner, you always rise to the top. Now, I'm not super familiar with the criminal justice system, but I do know this much. Out of the shows that I've watched, they don't put one prisoner in charge of all the others and basically give him the keys to the whole prison and say, he's in charge, just do what he says. We're going to go, you know, we're going to go hang out for the rest of the day. But Joseph had so much favor that they put him in charge of the whole prison. Now look at this next verse. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. When you've got God's favor, he will cause you to succeed in everything that you do. Because you always rise to the top. You can't keep a person with favor down. And well, well, how do I get favor? Well, I'm going to serve God the best I can, but it's by the grace of God, amen, that we get this favor in our lives. And so, once again, I'm going to paraphrase the rest of the story for the sake of time, but we know this much that a massive famine is getting ready to hit the land, and so the king, Pharaoh, has this dream about it, and Joseph, God's given him a gift with dreams. He interprets the dream, and so, long story short, what happens Joseph is brought out of the prison and is promoted to being the vice president of the entire land of Egypt. This guy keeps going up, up, and up. And Pharaoh says, nobody else has more power than you, Joseph, except for me. Wow. And then, as we know, the famine hits and his brothers that bullied him, that tortured him, that were going to kill him, that eventually sold him into slavery... They have to come and bow down and say, can we get some help? Can we get some food? And he could have said, man, ha, my how the tables have turned. (laughs) Poetic justice. Let's go. Here's your chance. No, he didn't stab them. He didn't kick them while they were down. What did he do? He helped them. And God used him just like he thought was going to happen, just like he said was going to happen. God used him to rescue his people. And so... It all came true, but it is because of God's grace and God's favor. And sometimes when it, when it eventually comes to pass, when the dream finally comes true, it's maybe not exactly how you pictured it happening, but it's so much better. And I can tell you now, I am living the dream in my life right now, and it's not how I pictured it was going to happen. But praise God, it's so much better than what I ever pictured. And if you'll stick with Jesus, that dream he maybe even gave you as a child, it will come to pass. It may look a little different, but it'll be so much better better because it's God's way. And so the grace of God is God's undeserved help. It's God's undeserved favor. And number three, it's God's undeserved forgiveness. God's undeserved forgiveness. And so the last guy that I want to look at today is in the New Testament. And he's known by this name, the prodigal son. Anybody ever heard of this guy? We call him the prodigal son. And, uh, and so let's go over to Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, but I'm telling you today, man, you need the grace of God in your life. If you're saved, 
it's because of God's grace. Uh, Ephesians 2 says uh, you are saved by grace, by faith through grace, not of works, or else you could boast. It's, it's a gift of God. You're saved by the grace of God. And so you need God's grace, not just to get saved. I, I want God's grace to live my everyday life. I want him to make things happen that I couldn't make happen on my own. And so Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. And so what, what we have here is this man, and a lot of you know this, but we just want to catch you up on it. So this man had two sons, and he was, he was planning on giving them an inheritance when they died and, and leaving all this stuff to them. And the younger one tells the dad one day, hey, I want my inheritance now instead of waiting until after you die. And if I'm a dad, I'm like, wow, you disrespectful little punk. Now you don't get any. But that's just me. And so anyway, uh, he doesn't say that. He's like, okay, I will give it to you now. And so he gives the younger son his share of the inheritance right then. And of course, somebody that's crazy enough and immature enough to ask a question like that, they're not mature enough to handle that amount of money. And Dave Ramsey wasn't around yet, so this boy had clearly never taken FPU. There's no way, or else he wouldn't have done this. And so he goes out and wastes all of his inheritance on partying and wild living and, and just all the wrong friends. And, 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 of course, we know that whenever you're willing to shell out all the money, it's real easy to make a bunch of friends. But it turns out they weren't real friends. They were just there for the freebies. They were just there for the handouts, and the money ran out. And so here's this young man. Now he's got nothing. Not only does he have no money, he has no future either. And and what happens is he's broke, he's hungry, he's at his lowest point, and he gets a job on a pig farm. Now, I've been around pig farms. I grew up in the country. They smell terrible. But on top of that, what's even more worse is we're talking about a Jewish Israelite society. There's nothing nastier and dirtier to a Jewish person than a pig. And here's this boy out there having to feed the pigs. And he says to himself, uh, I, this is pathetic. Even these pigs have a better life than I have. There's nothing lower in the world than a pig except for me because they're eaten. They've got it better than I have. And so he comes up with this thought. He says, you know what? I'll go home to my dad I don't expect to be a member of the family anymore. That that ship has sailed. I ruined it. I cut myself off from the family. Maybe he'll at least give me a job, and I could be a servant. I, I could be an employee. Maybe 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 just then I I'll, I'll at least have a job better than feeding pigs. And so Luke 15 verse 18, and so he comes to his senses and says this: I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now, I've talked to a lot of people that have this same attitude because when we've screwed up and we don't really know how the grace of God works, we no longer see ourselves as a member of the family. All we see is our mistakes. You're like, oh, you know what? I would go back to church, but I've screwed up so much. I would go and talk to, you know, you know, these people, but I mean, I've just blown. I would talk to, I'm not, I can't even talk to God anymore. I've screwed up. I'm no longer a son. I'm no longer a daughter. I don't any longer deserve to be called a, a, a member of God's family because I've done this. All I see is my mistakes. And the father, that's not all he sees. He sees his son. 
yeah, he screwed up, but that's okay. I'm going to give him another chance. I love him, and I will absolutely restore everything that he lost, everything that he squandered, everything that he gave up. I'll give it all back to him if he would just come back home. Wow. If we could see things through the eyes of God. How many parents do we have in here today? I mean, listen, your kids mess up. They may royally mess up. They may really screw up, but I don't care how much they screw up. There's no point that I say, you're not a member of this family anymore. You're dead to me. That's messed up. I may say, no, we need to fix some things. We need to make some things right. But you're my son. I love you, man. You're my daughter. Come home. I don't care what's happened. Just come home. We'll fix the rest of it later. Just come home. And you need to realize that God is a good father. He wants you to come home. He's not holding it all against you. He's standing there saying, I'll, listen, I'll fix it all. Just come home. What is this? This is undeserved forgiveness. This kid did not deserve to get it all back. He, he, he sold it away. He gave it away to a bunch of losers. He gave it all away. But let's see what happens when he decides to come home. Verse 20. I love this. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. So what does this mean? I didn't catch the dad by surprise that his son was coming home. He expected it, and he was waiting for him the whole time with his arms wide open saying, Oh, the day that I've waited for is here. I've been waiting for this. My son is coming home. And he wasn't there to say, Now you listen here. Get over here. Now you're really going to get it. No, what, what happens? He was filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him. He kissed him. His son said to him, Dad, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, okay, said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. Get sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We've got to celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Can we give the Lord some praise today? That's the grace of God right there. Dad wasn't mad. Dad was happy. Dad didn't justify it and say, oh, no, you know, go ahead and do it again. No, but he loved him and said, son, you're home. And so we know that 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 uh, the Gospels tell us that there's more rejoicing in heaven when one prodigal returns home than when everybody else, you know, just lives their life. Listen, he's happy. There's celebration. There's a party that takes place when we finally decide, you know what? I'm going home. I can't do this anymore. And maybe you're here today and you've kind of wandered from home. You've wandered away from the Lord and you're thinking, oh, man, I shouldn't even be here. I, I shouldn't. I, I don't deserve. And no, no, stop. It's not about what you deserve. It's about what Jesus is willing to give you. He offers forgiveness. And as you read the rest of the story, what happens? The big brother's like, this is, 
hey, this is stupid. Why aren't we throwing a party for him when he went out and wasted everything? I stayed here the whole time and didn't screw anything up at all. And sometimes when you receive the grace of God and God's favor and God's help and God's mercy, some other people are like, they get mad about it, but it doesn't matter. The dad said, knock it off. Listen, we're rejoicing over your brother. He's finally home, all right? And so I'm encouraging all of us today that you need the grace of God. Quit trying to pound your way through life. Quit trying to scratch and crawl and beg and be as strong as you can be. No, stop that. You need the grace of God. And, and, and the closer you get to the Lord, man, the more that you live for Him, the more that you lay down your own pride and your own way, the favor of God can flow into your life and cause you to do things you never could have done and take you to places that you never could have gone. His grace, yeah, it's not cliche. It's not just an old song. His grace is amazing. There's nothing in this world like it. And I'm telling you today, the grace of God is there for you. But you got to receive it. You got to quit trying to work your way and do it yourself. You got to rely on Him. Can we stand up together today? Praise the Lord. I want to stand up together. And I just wish for a minute you could see what the Father sees when He looks down here. I wish for just a minute you could see yourself like God does because He doesn't see some screw up. He doesn't see some mess up. He sees his kid. And even when I'm upset at my kids, I don't look at them and, and, and just see some someone that messed. No, I see my son. I see my daughter and I love them no matter what. And, and, and in fact, there's nothing they could do to make me love them anymore. They simply have all of my love because they're mine. They were born into my family. And you are God's child if you receive him and you are born again into his family. You can't make him love you more. You can't make him love you any less. His love is maxed out in your life. Now you could walk in more favor. You could receive more blessings. Amen. But we want to do it his way. Hallelujah. And so I want to do this today. I want to go ahead and and I want to lead us in a prayer because how can you talk about this and not give an opportunity for everybody to know that they have things right with God. I'd like us to bow our heads and, and to close our eyes. Amen. And I do want to take this chance to pray with you today. And so uh, we're going to pray. And if you're here and maybe uh, you've just never really uh, had a relationship with the Lord, well, that could change right now. Or maybe you're here and at one point you did, but you kind of walked away. We know that he didn't leave you, but let's get real. Sometimes we've loved him. And, and here's the thing. Uh, we're here today to restore that relationship. We're here today to say, welcome home. We're not here to say, why'd you leave? We're not here to say, why'd you do that? I don't, it doesn't matter. It's not our business. But what is our business is making sure that you have a right relationship with the Father. And so I want to pray with you today. And as we pray, if you'll pray with me, and you'd be bold enough to to say, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I said it and I meant it. I prayed it and I meant it then we want to rejoice with you and we want to be there for you and, 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 and we want to uh, receive you unto him. Amen. So let's pray this together. Can you say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. I believe he's coming back someday. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Thank you for not holding it against me. I'm coming home today. 
Receive me, Jesus. I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. And so what we're going to do now is I'm going to have my prayer team come on up. And if you're here and you prayed that and this was your moment, uh, I'm going to ask you to come up to one of these people and let us know. We want to we want to pray with you and we want to just bless your life. And Or maybe you're here and, and you need prayer for something else. If you've got health issues, family, whatever it is, family issues, we want to pray with you today. But here's the thing. It's very important that if you prayed that prayer of salvation that you come forward, you need to be able to acknowledge Jesus and, and, and have a point where you say, I said it and I'm not embarrassed about it. I meant it. And if you'll do that, uh, we want to hook you up with one of our, what we call spiritual personal trainers. What that is, is it's somebody that uh, that they'll, they'll get your phone number. They'll text you every day for the next 30 days. Uh, a, a Bible verse and a devotion and they'll pray for you. If you have any questions, they'll talk to you about it and they'll make sure that you're living your life, getting off to the right start with Jesus. All right? And so my prayer team, if someone tells you that, just grab their phone number for us with their permission and we'll hook them up. Amen? All right. Josh is going to lead us in a worship song. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come forward and we want to pray for you.
right, praise God. Well, we're going to go ahead and close things out here today. Who has been blessed by the grace of God? Amen. God is good to us. Amen. All right. Well, hey, we're going to go ahead and wind down. We got service night at six. Josh is going to be bringing the word tonight. Amen. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, there's warfare prayer at five and uh, Miss Maxine is leading that. So come on out for that. You know what we forgot? Servant leadership. If you are involved in serving or you'd like to be more involved in serving in the church, servant leadership is a meeting where we get together and we talk about, you know, what's going on logistically here. So this Thursday at 630 in Victory Hall, if you would like to join us. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great chance to help out, get involved, and, and get some stuff done around here. Amen. And also, the kids have general store upstairs, parents. So grab your kids, go up there, get their prizes that they've earned. They didn't get those by grace. They earned those. Amen. They, they worked for it. So it's been good. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's go ahead and do some prayer. We'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. And amen. We're going to work on these ACs this week. So we're going to have it cooler next Sunday in the name of Jesus. Amen. But thank you guys for loving the Lord so much that you want to hear his word. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen today. Lord, in the, in the life of Gideon, how you helped him, Lord. Even though he didn't deserve it, you helped him pull off a miracle, Lord. And how Joseph, he kept push, getting pushed down, but you kept raising him up to the top because of the favor of God. And Lord, how that son, that prodigal son, how he wandered, but Lord, you received him home. We thank you for your grace and your undeserved blessing on our life. And Lord, help us to walk in that and trust that this week. Use us to be the light of the world and take the gospel everywhere we go. We thank you that every family in this church, every marriage, every boy, girl, mom, dad, everybody, we have the blessing of God on our lives. We are healthy. We are whole. We are blessed financially, God, because your word says so. And we thank you, Jesus, that we are the light of the world in Jesus' mighty name. Can we get an amen today? Yes. Let's do this Barstow Faith Confession. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see.